you're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi, this is Joe Rubenstein. Where better to listen to me on the Epic Marvel Podcast? Hi, and welcome back to the Epic Marvel Podcast. This is Captain America, Episode 12, Society of Serpents. And this is covering a period of Captain America from 1985 to 1986. I am your host, Curtis Finsley. And I'm your uh, Captain America host, Jared Abrahamson. Hi, Jared. You know, I think it's you've been on a, a lot of episodes, but I think we haven't talked about Captain America for like, I think it's been a year. Yeah. I mean, that that was my first episode. Yeah. <laughs> was the Dawn's Early Light book. Yeah, and that so, was a good epic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this one, uh, we're we're jumping ahead. I think Dawn's Early Light was number was episode nine. So we're skipping ten right. and eleven, which are the uh, J.M. Uh, D. Mateus and Mike Zek uh, volumes, and we're going to jump right into this one, which collects basically ninety nine percent of Mike Carlin's run, and then the very beginning of Mark Gruenwald's run, his famous. Um, Captain America run that stretches like I don't know how many volumes a bunch it uh his his run will eventually be 10 volumes oh man <laughs> that's so awesome <laughs> yeah and as of this, right, right. Yeah. as of this recording we have volume 12 and 13 and then there's the captain which was released it's like an epic but it was released before the epic collection started but that's basically volume 14 and then we have volume 15 and 16 and I think volume 17 is coming out soon so we could go we could do a straight shot now pretty much through to volume 17 and then just uh, right. and hopefully they'll release more as they come out so maybe we should just keep on going with the Grunewald run I, I think that's a pretty good idea I think so too yeah yeah. even if we have to read the captain you know, <laughs> yeah exactly a, not an epic collection but you know. it'll eventually be an epic collection and uh, if if uh, and at that time, if they add in any extra issues that aren't in the existing trade, then we'll just uh, we'll just add those onto whatever episode we're going to do next. Yep. Okay. What? Are, but let's talk about this one, Society of Serpents. Jared, what issues are we talking about in this in this episode today? This epic collects uh, Captain America numbers three hundred and two to three hundred and seventeen. And also a story from Marvel Fanfare number 18. Nice. Now, what are the things that we need to know about this epic collection before we jump into it? Not not a whole lot. Captain America has a sidekick partner uh, named Nomad currently. And also uh, he's engaged to, uh, to Bernie Rosenthal. And that's... That's about it. Yeah, I think. Yep, those are the only notes that I had really here too. Um, Nomad, yeah. of course, comes from a uh, former identity that Cap took for himself. Right. 
and Jack Monroe is a criminal that um, I guess is kind of reformed and trying to prove his yeah. self-worth through this volume here. So I, I alluded to the fact that this is 99% of Mike Carlin's run. There's actually one issue in the previous volume that will be Mike Carlin. And then the rest of his, his short run is here. And Mike, and Mark Grunewald is actually the editor. And then they decide to swap places. So Mark becomes the writer and Mike becomes the editor uh, halfway through this volume. Mm-hmm. And, it's a, and then the art is completely Paul Neary. He does uh, every single issue in this book, except for the Marvel fanfare issue. So that's that's right. pretty cool. I love it when there's that consistency of one singular vision, um, it, it, artistic vision in this case, because there's two writers. But right. but still, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I I believe Paul Neary uh, continues doing the art, you know, well into volume thirteen, I believe. But tell me, what do you think about this epic collection? Um, just the 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 production, the way it's set up, the way it flows, um, the the way it looks. Um, I I have you know no no problems with any of the the production uh, or the you know the paper quality or anything like that. I guess the only real issue I have with the 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 book itself, not the contents, but you know the. The actual book is uh, I don't really care for the cover they chose <laughs> I think there's a couple of the other issues that would have made for a better better cover to the the book but oh I well. <laughs> completely agree it is uh, they're just it's not a very exciting pose it's like what are we looking at and yeah. the whole thing about this this cover is that um, it's a joke so if what what uh, issue is the last issue in this book here, and right. <laughs> um, there's there's a there's Captain America's kind of slyly looking out of the corner of his eye back at Hawkeye, and he's saying, "Well, here's another fine mess you've gotten us into, Hawkeye." And when you take out that speech bubble, it's a nothing cover; it doesn't mean anything. Right? Yeah, yeah. I would have much preferred the the cover to issue uh, three fifteen. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. a nice cover. Now the only problem there is that Captain America is not front and center. And now, the the thing about these epic collections, I feel like their cover choices do two things. One is to definitely put the hero kind of front and center to make sure that they mm-hmm. are right there in your face so that it stands out on the shelf. But they also seem to like to pick covers that feature other heroes. Um, that's so, true. Yeah. so that's why Hawkeye is here. I think they picked this one because Hawkeye is is the feature. So you're not getting just Captain America. Now Hawkeye's in this book also. Um, I think of like the Incredible Hulk, Ghosts of the Past. They chose the cover that has Captain America on the cover, and um, the the X Men, um, the Gift, that volume. They chose the cover that has Doctor Doom, and the <laughs> strangely enough, the Fantastic Four issue that's called the Master Plan of Doctor Doom has Doctor Strange on the cover. <laughs> so Right, yeah. Yeah, I feel like they, they do, they try and do this a little bit of cross-promotion there. Yeah, that's true. And I, and I guess this is the, it's the only cover in this whole book that has another hero on it. Right, yeah. So, yeah, I, I guess I can see that, but. Yeah. So I have, uh, I just have one little comment about the restoration. I don't even know if it's the restoration problem or if it's a printing problem, but in the Marvel Fanfare issue, 
about half of the pages aren't printed as clear as the others. So if you go to page 10 and 11 in this collection, page 10 has a really nice printing job, crystal clear, all of the lines are nice and crisp, but then on mm -hmm. page 11, uh, it's just not as crisp, it's a little bit dull, looks like the resolution just isn't as high. And yeah. it does that for a few of these pages throughout the Marvel Fanfare issue. You can see it on page 13, and you can see it especially because it's a lower resolution, you get the, the little dot patterns appearing on the doors and the walls of the background of the middle panel, where the boy's entering the, the picture. Yeah, um, that's just yes. a, that's a sign of a lower resolution um, image there. So, the, but the rest mm. of the book is absolutely beautiful, um, and those pages have been restored. Like the colors are restored and such. It's just a something went wrong in the process of getting it to the printer. Um, but yeah, I this this book was fantastic. Um, I liked it from start to finish. Yeah. So before we jump into the issues, let's t take a look at Twitter. I asked, uh, what is your favorite member of Mark Gruenwald's original um, Serpent Society? And I, this is a, I couldn't do a, your standard poll because Twitter only allows four options, so I had to stretch that to include all of them. So the options were Black Mamba, Sidewinder, Death Adder, Princess Python, Cottonmouth, Diamondback, Bushmaster, Cobra, Asp, Rattler, and Anaconda. And so out of all of the votes, let's see, Black Mamba, Princess Python, Bushmaster, and R the Rattler got zero votes. Okay. <laughs> Sidewinder, Cottonmouth, the Asp, and Anaconda got uh, one vote each, which is 5% each. Um, and then Death Adder got 15% of the votes, Cobra got 20% of the votes, and then Diamondback took 45% of the votes. Yeah. That's not a surprise. Diamondback is easily the more the most developed character out of all of these, so it's not a, su a surprise at all that uh, that she gets all of the votes. Who would, who would you vote for, Jared? Well, I I think I, I sort of have two answers. <laughs> okay. The first, purely on the the visual aspect, I really like Death Adder. Uh, I think he's the coolest looking out of all of them. Yeah. Um, but just based on this volume, uh, I also really enjoy Sidewinder and you know the fact that he has a buffet to the the meeting of the serpents and you know he's got little comments like like that. Mm -hmm. You know, it, I I enjoyed that quite a bit. So. And I I know Diamondback becomes a huge important character later on more so than in this book, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, those are good comments. I think that I would probably choose. I I really like the Cobra just because he's you know one of the original bad guys. Uh, he yeah. appeared so early in the Marvel universe and has a just has a kind of cool power of being slippery. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, he's cool. Yeah, he's pretty cool. Right. Uh, okay, let's address some of the conversation on Facebook. I asked people, what are your thoughts about this volume? We've got a lot of comments. Josh says, the Society of Serpents really encapsulates what I love best about Gruenwald's run. While I think the Captain storyline was the high point, of what I've read anyway, this epic does a great job of developing some fantastic new villains. 
I adore the Serpent Society and love how they became reoccurring villains and eventually characters. I find it to be a really unique idea for a villain team that was initially just snake-themed villains teaming up, um, but became so much more. You know, I, I haven't read any uh, of Grunewald's run after beyond this book, but I, I can totally see, you know, because there's subplots going through many of the issues that he comes back to, and yeah, and, and the development of all the, the villains is, is great, and I'm glad to see or hear that it keeps on going like that so yeah i have to agree with josh i think the idea that sidewinders like there's so many snake themed villains out there i want them all to be my friends <laughs> and he just gets right. them all together <laughs> it's so funny yeah um and then it, it became something and that's just wonderful okay yeah. what else do we have here and then jc carlos has he's got a big letter so brace yourself for this one Okay. <laughs> he says, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I just finished rereading this one. I thoroughly enjoyed it. The 1985-1986 time frame for these issues was right in the middle of my height of collecting. I was around 15 years old and working in a comic book store at the time, so I was buying and reading tons of books. But Captain America wasn't one of them, so these stories were new to me, with the exception of the Marvel Fanfare issue. Fanfare was a book that I would pick up if the cover grabbed me, and that Frank Miller Captain cover uh, certainly caught my attention when it came into the shop. I wasn't a regular Daredevil reader, but I enjoyed Miller's art. Joe Rubenstein's bold, clean lines often reminded me of Terry Austin's inks, and I loved them on top of Miller's pencils. And the story was powerful. Uh, we normally see our comic book villains as black, you know, in, in like either black and white. Um, so in this sense, evil or selfish beings who need to be caught and put away. The villain of this issue is very gray. In fact, he's a loving father. I remember reading this and thinking how terrible it would be if Captain America broke into my house and beat up my dad. Powerful, heavy stuff back then, and even now that I'm a father. I love this story and thought the end with Cap going back into the blaze to rescue the flag was a little bit much, but I loved everything else. Yeah. I I agree with that one too. He's so nationalistic, uh, and and Gruenwell deals with that later on in the book with the flag smasher character. Right. <laughs> um, okay, so he yeah. says also the stretch of Captain America issues from this trade were neat. Also, uh, Paul Neary's art is decent. He's not an artist I would seek out, but his work is solid blue collar nineteen eighties comic book art. I'd give him more credit than that. I, I, I really like Paul Neary, and I thought that his art is, is very solid in this and quite enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, I, I think he's a, a really good storyteller. You know, like some of the, the images aren't like as splashy as maybe they could be or would have been 10 years after this, but it's very, very solid, very good. Yep, I take good solid storytelling over Splashy any day, that's for sure. That's true, yeah. He goes on to say, reading this book, I wondered why I never read Cap regularly as a kid. Maybe it's because I was a huge fan of team books. I just felt like I got more bang for my buck in team books. But that might be why I enjoyed this book. For this stretch of Cap, the book is close to becoming a team book, with the team being the Serpent Society. Reading this <laughs> trade, I found myself wanting to know more about these characters, and we get a little bit of character development in these stories, but I wanted so much more. This snake-inspired supervillain team not only looks cool, but also has decent motivation. They basically form a labor union to make their lives easier. It's brilliant. 
Um, I wanted more of them and a little less cap. We got some nice characterization from Anaconda and Princess Python, but I really wanted to get to know the rest of the team too. I want backstories and interpersonal relationships, all the great stuff that team books from the 1980s gave me. Anyway, despite the fact that my thirst for deeper exploration of the Serpent Society went unquenched, I still enjoyed this book. Got some superhero team action with Nomad, Captain Britain, Hawkeye, and Nighthawk. And by the way, how cool is this Nighthawk costume? The only acceptable answer is very cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Madcap was a strange villain, but I liked his look. In hindsight, he had the potential to be becoming a hot hero, or sorry, a hot anti-hero like Deadpool ended up becoming. Um, as far as Cap's relationship with Bernie Rosenthal, I felt they did a great job of portraying Bernie's loving support of Steve's superhero lifestyle in juxtaposition with the frustration fe she feels always pay playing second fiddle to his call of duty. It felt real, and I empathized with her. But enough mushy stuff. The book was great. It had a team of sneaky supervillains. What else do you need? So thanks, JC, for those comments. That was uh, really great. Yeah. Before we jump into the issues, I just want to say that I tried getting some interviews for this this uh, for this episode, but I just couldn't. Of course, Mark uh, unfortunately passed away uh, way ahead of his time, so I can't talk to him. And uh, Mike Carlin is under contract with DC, so he's not allowed to appear in a podcast that uh, says Marvel in the title. <laughs> so I couldn't talk <laughs> with him. And yeah. um, and Paul Neary. He's just a hard guy to get a hold of, and uh, I don't think he is up for interviews. So, unfortunately, nothing this time around, um, but that's okay. These issues will carry themselves. So why don't we start us off with Marvel Fanfare number 18, and I'll give you a brief description of this one. Captain America tracks down a group of deadly arsonists thinking that they're like a mob group or something that's setting fire to a bunch of buildings, but he finds out that they're just actually middle-class workers that are tired of being ignored and want to sort of take back America. Um, it's, a, it's a very interesting and touching story, like JC said in his, uh, in his letter, where the people are just ordinary people. These aren't these aren't people who are supervillains. They're not, you know, deranged in any way. They are family people who want to see the 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 country change for the better, but are just going about it in the wrong way. Yeah, it's uh, it's a a good standalone issue, and you know, like you said, there's the the villains aren't really true villains, but you know, they're just regular everyday working class guys that are going about things totally wrong <laughs> yeah you know like I, I i can understand their their plight and empathize yep you know with with what they're going through but but they're still breaking the law right uh don't people die in the in the fires that they that they set yes or, yes the yeah. people did die yeah right <laughs> like i get it but i but i don't get it you know <laughs> Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. the desire to, you know, stand up for your beliefs and your and stuff like that. But you still have to uh, go about things the right way. I feel like this is um, an issue that still rings true, you know, today in today's America, especially mm -hmm. when there's so much 
controversy about what what it means to be American. There are definitely different sides to that that story, um, and, the, and different sides to those opinions. And you know, depending on where where your views are, you might completely agree with this or completely not agree with this <laughs> issue. I think. <laughs> right. Yeah. Especially some of the more more patriotic statements that Captain America makes at the end of here, you know, the the flag belongs to all of us, um, you know, things like that. It's like the a lot of people, especially with the immigration controversy now, don't think that that's the case. That's true. Yeah. Um, reading a lot of Captain America now, it it just strikes me as how how many people would be against uh, a lot of what what he says yeah you know like uh, yeah that, especially in this era of captain america he makes a lot of speeches there, oh, yeah. <laughs> there are several of them throughout this book about what it means to live in america to be an american to you know have that national pride and um captain america's not like that anymore in the comics he, he yeah, doesn't no. he doesn't go on those sort of I mean, he's still a symbol, but what he's a symbol of is is just more vague these days. I don't think they really get into the details. Uh, also, I think America as a country has has changed over the years, and yeah. you know, it's continually changing and always will be. But yeah, so in in some ways, it's like the ending to this issue where he goes and and saves the flag from burning and. Like, I thought that was, like, it was very on the nose and very, like, you know, here's here's the moral of the story in case you weren't paying attention. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm Canadian, and um, right. we don't place nearly as much importance on the flag as a symbol as, uh, as you do in America. And so right. seeing things like this is just sort of, cheesy really really cheesy to me <laughs> but, but uh you know yeah. I, I can understand <laughs> it at the same time um who was it posted an image of a picture that somebody drew i can't remember of captain america holding the flag and the flag was touching the ground oh, and yeah. uh and there was a huge conversation um surrounding whether or not that picture is a you know, should have been done or the guy is being disrespectful to the flag and stuff like that. And, um, I just, uh, I just don't, I don't get it. <laughs> you know, I'm not being American, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I don't know if you know about this, but the, there's like a, a flag code of, you know, different ways, like how the, the American flag should be treated. You know, and it, and it's followed right. pretty rigorously. That's here. incredible. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, and it's touching the ground is a is a huge thing. So right, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I used to be a, a Boy Scout as a kid, and yeah. we had to raise you know raise the flag uh, and stuff. And you're all you're always supposed to raise the American flag first over the you know the state flag or you know whatever other ones okay right and when you're going and walking in pr procession the american flag is basically straight up but the other ones are tilted more and i don't know it's oh. it's it's crazy and it's uh, a lot of a lot of americans 
take it sort of as a religious symbol, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I could see yeah. that. So it's it it's it's kind of weird, <laughs> you know? I mean, I've grown up with it my entire life, but it's still like you sit and think about it for a little bit, it's like that's a little a little strange. <laughs> Yeah, well, but, and um, we're getting off topic here, but uh, you know, my wife is um, my wife is American, and so we go down to the states, you know, fairly often to visit family and such. And I'm just always amazed. It always strikes me every single time that pretty much every single house down there has an American flag uh, attached to the front of it, or or yeah. it's situated somewhere in their front lawn or something like that. Like every single house. And like we don't get that in Canada at all. Nobody flies a flag outside their <laughs> their house. Um, but yeah, it's just right. unless it's yeah. uh, like their hockey team's flag or something. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah, and I, I guess I don't know of any other country that has the same thing with their their flag. But yeah, I don't know. Anyways. Okay, yeah, let's move on. The only other comment I want to make about this issue is that I like Frank Miller's art, and JC made the comment about Joe Rubenstein's finishes. It's like, it, you can't even tell that this is Frank Miller. I mean, some of the poses that he does are distinctly Frank Miller, especially the one with the flag when he's running out of the building, kind of a very Frank Miller mm-hmm. pose. But Joe adds his own style so much that it doesn't look like like uh, Miller's work really now you look at the cover of Marvel Fanfare 18 which is looks like it's inked by Miller as well and that's definitely Frank Miller oh yeah absolutely there's you know there's there's a few things throughout the issue that are like you know a handful of panels where it's like oh that's totally Frank Miller but for the most part it's his style is hidden (laughs) that just shows you the power of an inker I think there and right. Joe Rubenstein is a very strong inker. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's move on to issue number 302. Why don't you take this one? So, issue three, 302. Cap picks up his motorcycle from the shop in the way home. He's attacked by a merc- mercenary named Machete. <laughs> this guy's great. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> it seems like he almost could be a inspiration for the Machete movies, you know? I was going to make the same comment, and it's like... If you were to, like, Danny Trejo could totally be cast as this character right here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it makes so. sense. I mean, machete, a machete is, um, it's a Latin American weapon. Well, isn't it made for cutting through the jungle? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it makes sense that, you know, this character, it has a lot of Latin American influence in the way he's drawn. And Danny Trejo himself is Latin American. So, yeah, <laughs> it's like, let's... Uh, right. Let's let's have him show up in the Cap movie. Uh, I think that would be awesome. Yeah, I I would love it. So, <laughs> okay, sorry. Continue. Keep going. Eventually, uh, well, later that night, Cap and and Nomad go go out looking for Machete, and they they have a fight with him and uh, another dude named uh, Zarin. And at the end of the fight, the Cap loses his shield. It's it's stolen by those guys. They get away, and uh, both those mercenaries give Cap's shield to Batrock the Leaper. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who I I have to say, Batrock might be one of my favorite Cap villains because he's he's so ridiculous and so just over the top. 
I imagine just by the way he's written, I imagine his voice to be Pepe Le Pew. <laughs> I know, imagine so. it. I imagine his voice being John Cleese pretending to be the French in oh, Monty yeah. Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, that's <laughs> absolutely yeah. Right. <laughs> um, oh boy, yeah. The three just uh, ridiculous characters, villains in one book. <laughs> it's it's just so good. Yeah. Machete, this is his first appearance. And he doesn't have a very long career in the Marvel Universe. People forget him pretty quickly. But he comes back in about 50 issues or so in the Bloodstone Hunt volume. And then he disappears. Like, we don't hear from him ever again. Okay. And Zaran, or Zarin, um, his first appearance is actually in Master of Kung Fu number 77. And then he appears here and then also doesn't appear again until the Bloodstone um, story and then who knows what happens to him after that yeah and and I, I think Batrock also doesn't appear again until the bloodstone hunts right yeah too, right? yeah, yeah exactly so, yeah. right yeah and, and I don't think he uh, previously he his last appearance was in the dawn's early light where he teamed up with uh, Mr. Hyde I believe I could be wrong oh, but, okay yeah that's yeah. possible now, have you read? Um, do you pick up the Punisher epic collections? I I haven't. If you ever want to, I would really suggest picking up the Capital Punishment Punisher epic collection because Batroc is one of the characters there, mm-hmm. and he's really good. He's treated yeah. as a very serious character, and he still is Batroc. There's still that style, that side of him, but um, he's really, really cool. And so if you're only used to kind of the goofy, goofier Batrock that you see here, check that one out to see a different side of him. Uh, it's very neat. Okay. And I have, we've released that epic collection, or sorry, we've released that episode so you can hear me yeah. talk about Batrock in more detail in that one. Yeah, this is a nice start to the story. Uh, Mike Carlin introduces us to all of the major players here, and uh, we get some good moments with Bernie and um, some really nice fight scenes. Like, I, I love the, the machete fight between Cap and Machete with, uh, you know, sword versus shield. I think it's great. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just basically setting up a whole bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, and so let's move on to number 303. This one's called Double Dare. And in this issue, Machete and Zarin, they make a bet. They're getting drunk with Batroc in a bar, just having a good time as buddies, and they bet that Batroc can't beat Cap because they're they're teasing him because he's gone up against Cap a bunch of times, never won. You can't do it. Oh yes, I can. And so drunk Batroc goes and seeks out Captain America, and, and then they have a fight. And this is Captain without his shield. He's lost his shield. And then also at the same time, Nomad is feeling down about his superhero skills and. Uh, has to figure some stuff out for himself. So this was an interesting one. I, I found that we get a little bit of an origin of Captain America's shield, and I don't know if this origin has been told before, or if it's kind of new for this uh, new for this story here. But um, I always thought that Captain America's shield was an alloy, like a um, vibranium adamantium alloy, but that's not what right. it says here in this book and maybe he gets an upgrade later on I'm not sure but uh, they say the the guy who has been kidnapped 
who is supposed to be looking into Captain America's shield just says that it's um vibranium is a it's a what does he call it um yeah he just calls it an indestructible metal mm-hmm. that was um the best ever since that day decades ago I've been trying to recreate that metal and the best I've come up with so far is a substance called adamantium but even that is no match for whatever the shield is made of so this is so first of all this guy created adamantium that's right. pretty cool yeah. Second, Wolverine's claws can't damage the shield. Right. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that that's crazy. I, I I think it's kind of funny that you know this guy who built the shield he uh, he dozed off and and, and it was <laughs> yeah. mixed and right. and it's the most powerful metal ever. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I guess they have to come up with a reason why not everybody has this type of metal on everything. Yeah, that's so, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Captain America's shield has to be pretty special. Yeah. Uh, the only right. other note I have on this one is that at the very end of this issue, it says, "Next issue, Cap versus Iron Man," and I'm like, "What? Cap versus <laughs> Iron Man? That's going to be a great fight." Uh, but there's a clue in there that it's not actually Iron Man because it's hyphenated Iron hyphen Man, so it's not. Oh, actually yeah. the Iron Man <laughs> that we all know and love. Um, that's right. a sneaky little clue there because you'll be disappointed in the next issue. Yeah. <laughs> Captain America 304, Undercover of the Night. So Cap is trying to track down track down the shield. He has a brief exchange with, with uh, Nicholas Fury. Uh, but Turns out Batrock and uh, Machete and Zarin sold Cap Shield to Obadiah Stane, who is still in charge of Tony Stark's company uh, at this point. So Cap goes undercover to to recover it, and uh, he gets Nomad to have a diversion while he he finds the shield, and then the <laughs> the dude who was you know, making the the guy uh, the guy who created Cap Shield, who was he was like controlling him. He jumps into a weird looking Iron Dash Man suit, <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then he and Cap fight for you know about a uh, not even a page. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like four panels, <laughs> and then Cap gets the shield back and. This one has a really funny sequence where Cap goes undercover to try and get into Obadiah Stane's office to find out stuff, and he's got this great costume with glasses and and a wig and a mustache. <laughs> right, yeah. But he's still, like, huge because he's Captain America. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really good. Uh, yeah, you, you mentioned that Obadiah Stane is still in charge of Tony's um, uh, company right now, and this stuff is happening at the same time as Iron Man Epic Collections, I think, 10 and 11? The Enemy Within and Duel of Iron, those two volumes, which we've done, I've done episodes about those ones as well, so you can hear about Tony losing his company because of alcoholism and uh, and Obadiah Stane taking over, so that's, that's what's going on there. Uh-huh. So, uh, and this might be a like a, a setup, a little bit of a setup for the Iron Man series because uh, 
you know, eventually Obadiah Stane becomes the Iron Monger, right? Right. A, a big Iron Man suit. So they're obviously, you know, working towards that in this issue. But yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, moving on to number 305. This one's called Walk Upon England. And Cap is at his drafting table, and all of a sudden he has this weird. Um, some sort of weird message he's he's all of a sudden Captain Britain and then the next second the Captain Britain costume disappears and he's like what the heck I must go to Britain to find out what that means and so he jumps on a plane and goes to Britain and to find uh, to find Captain Britain and he finds Captain Britain and Captain Britain doesn't like Captain America so they have to fight and they have a a big fight and it's actually kind of cool because the fight some of it like takes place in the air because Captain Britain can fly and Captain America actually kind of holds his own even though he's in the middle of the air and has to just like fight while hanging on to <laughs> Captain Britain so he doesn't fall to his death so there are some cool cool action sequences in this one and then at the end of this issue we find out that Captain Britain isn't actually Captain Britain he's really Modred the mystic Dun dun dun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> right. And and the the real Captain Britain is uh, chained up in his underwear in a castle. Right. Yeah. But yeah. So this is yeah. a very very early American appearance of Captain Britain because Captain Britain's been around for a while, but he's always been just published in UK Marvel publications, and so. He's only appeared a couple of times in American publications, and he had a different outfit. I think this is the first time we see Captain Britain in an American comic in this outfit, which is kind of the one that we all know as Captain Britain's outfit. And then they make a reference to the time that they fought before, and that was in ROM number 65. Man, I've never read any ROM but Rom is referenced yeah, so much in the 80s in Marvel Comics, and it's like, I really should track down those issues. There will never be an epic collection because of the rights issues and that kind of thing, but um, man, I want to read Rom. Everyone speaks so highly about it. Yeah, like I, I've heard it's because I think it's uh, Bill Mantlo who's the writer, or yeah. at least most of it. I don't know if he did the whole series, but like uh, I've, I've heard people say like that's his his best stuff is the the rom series wow yeah that's cool yeah i've I've never never read it so but did you like this one yeah yeah it's 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 fun it's kind of it's kind of goofy just in that uh you know at the beginning like captain america is at the the drawing table and he's he's kind of thinking about his his job and like oh uh trying to make ends meet and all that like he doesn't have enough time to 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 do his work that he gets paid for because he's Captain America all the time, and then you know he has that little vision, and then he flies to England. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just want to know how he got his shield past customs. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if they they had metal detectors then, but I guess <laughs> you know, like we just learned, it's a super special metal, so maybe yeah. it doesn't get picked up. So. So in this one, um, Bernie comes over to Steve's apartment looking for him, and he's not there. He just leaves a little note in his apartment that says, Gone to England, don't wait up. 
this is sort of the beginning of the end for Steve and Bernie. They've been together for a while, they're engaged, but he doesn't even pick up the phone to tell Bernie that he's going. He just leaves a note inside his own apartment <laughs> thinking that yeah. she'll just happen to drop by, maybe she will, and see the note. Like, I think it's a, a little inconsiderate, but he's not he's not really thinking straight. He's just like, I gotta go. I need to go right now. You know, he, he didn't tell, like, I guess Nomad is his roommate. Right. He didn't mention anything to him at all. And Yeah, but you know what? I can forgive so, that. Roommates often just come and go. Like, there's no rule true. that yeah. you have to tell your roommate what you're doing. But this is his fiance he's talking about. And he's going that, to another country on the other side of the world. So, <laughs> like, maybe right, let her know. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that's true. <laughs> I mean, we're both married. I think that our wives would appreciate knowing where we're going when it's that kind of thing, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes my my wife gets mad at me when I, you know, just go like decide to go to the store, <laughs> or when you're <laughs> you like know, I'd leave the house from for an work hour or, or something. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh. but uh, the the fight that that Cap has with uh, the with Mordred is is a lot of fun. You know, he gets punched through buildings and. That kind of stuff. Yeah, so, I mean that's always that's always fun. Yeah, he gets punched through like historical buildings. Like there's a large amount of damage that happens here <laughs> to some irreplaceable buildings. Kinda, right, kind of makes me cringe, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, issue number three hundred six uh, called the summoning, and it's you know. Mordred is uh, he's just going on a rampage first splash page of the issue he's blown up the London Bridge so it really is falling down right now <laughs> <laughs> literally yes it's it's literally falling down yes <laughs> um, meanwhile Captain America and Captain Britain are they're chained up and a big chunk of the issue is is them escaping they take on Mordred uh, after they escape, and they're saying they'll summon uh, summon Merlin, who's you know I guess Mordred's mortal enemy. Yeah, it's kind of like um, they have this feud. Merlin and Mordred have this feud that goes back like centuries. Right. But Merlin died before they could finish their feud, so Mordred wants to. Uh wants Captain Britain to summon him. Now, this is an aspect... I don't know much about Captain Britain, um, but I, like, I don't know what his connection is with Merlin. I need to read some of those old Captain Britain uh, comics to to figure this out. Yeah. Like, I, what yeah, is I so special about Britain, Captain Britain that he can call on Merlin at any time and, and summon him? Uh, and why doesn't he do that, like, in Excalibur? <laughs> right. Um... The other question I have is, is Captain Britain a mutant? I I don't think he is. His sister is, though, right? Betsy right. Braddock, who's Psylocke, because she obviously has some sort of tele- telepathy or telekinesis. And uh, But then he it seems like he gets all of his powers from his suit. His suit has is like highly sophisticated technology, and that's what allows him to fly and do everything. So... Maybe he isn't a mutant. Now, I remember in the Age of Apocalypse story, Brian Braddock is part of the Human High Council. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe he is human. I never thought about it. I don't know. It just makes me wonder if like he got the suit from Merlin or something. Right. Or, or, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but, well, what, yeah. any of you listeners out there that know, uh, we should we could probably just Google this for ourselves, but we'd rather have you let us know. So give us send us an email. Um, right on our Facebook page or something. Let us know what is the deal with Captain Britain. Yeah. <laughs> there yeah. we go. <laughs> All right. Uh, another note is that um, Arnie is out of the hospital. He was seriously injured in um, DiMatteis's run and has been out of the picture for some while. Um, he and Arnie have a, or Captain America and Arnie have a, um, a good friendship and it's sad to see Arnie kind of step out of the picture here. Yeah, he, he comes back just to leave. Yeah. Arnie doesn't appear again for the rest of the book and I don't think for a long while at least if if he ever comes back but Yeah, he I think he does come back um at some point but uh that's a little later down the road. Yeah. So this issue the, in the epic collection, the epic collection doesn't usually collect letters pages, but this issue um they decided to keep it because it has a nice long letter from Mark Grunewald called Changing of the Guard. And I just want to read a little bit of it here um, so we can get a get a clue for what's going on here. So this issue that we just talked about um, is Mike Carlin's final issue. And Mark addresses it here. He says, As we mentioned in, the spa- in this space last month, this issue of Captain America will be my last as editor and Mike Carlin's last as writer. Beginning next month, I will be Cap's writer, and Mark uh, and Mike will be the editor. In my nearly three-year stint as editor of the Star Spangled Avengers book, my understanding, respect, and yes, love for Cap has grown to the point that I just ached to write Captain America myself. In fact, I'd rather write Cap than any other book in the Mighty Marvel line. My fascination with Captain America began many years ago when I was a wee lad running around with a garbage can cover as my shield. Readers of Marvel Age may recall my confession that I used to pretend I was Hawkeye as a kid too, and back then I could never decide who I wanted to be most. Well, I finally made up my mind. It's Captain America. Hmm. And then he goes on to talk about his view of who Captain America is and uh, and what he plans to do with the book here. So that's that's a nice letter. I'm glad they included that in here. And yeah, that's as close to Mark's words as we're ever going to get since he's not around anymore. Yeah. So since this is uh, uh, Mike Carlin's final issue as writer, uh, how do you think he, he, he did in these handful of issues? Um, I thought he did fine. There was nothing. I think he, he. I think he got the character of Captain America down for what it was in the eighties. Right. He wasn't really given very much time to do a whole lot because he only has the Shield story and the Captain Britain two-parter. That's only five issues. So, right. yeah, you could see him starting to ramp up, and I don't know if he thought he was going to have a longer run or if he only said he was only going to do it on a temporary basis. But, uh, um, yeah, he only he, he did fine. Um, it's it's tough because when you compare this to what comes next, it doesn't hold mm-hmm. a candle um, because the next stuff is, is so great. But uh, this stuff is not bad at all. It's just um, not as good, I guess. Right, yeah. They're, yeah, uh, fine, 
fine stories, you know, perfectly enjoyable, but you can totally see uh, Mark Grunewald's love for the for the character and, and the world of, of Captain America. It, it just comes right off the, the page in the next, you know, the, the rest of this book. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, he's stuck around writing, writing Captain America for a long time. <laughs> yeah, he did. So. Let's move on to number 307, the beginning of the Grunewald run. This one is called Stop Making Sense. And it has a little asterisk next to the title with, uh, with apologies to David Byrne. Do you know who David Byrne is? Uh, yep. Yep. Uh, he's uh, Talking Heads, right? That's right. Yep. And they yep. have a song called Stop Making Sense. Right. Yeah. And uh, in, in actually, I think they put out a like a concert film called Stop Making Sense. Right. Yeah. It's one of their biggest yeah. hits there for sure. Right. Yeah. So- so right away, I love this cover. Even before we get into the issue, I love this cover with just half of it is mad, is is nomad, and the other half is um, Captain America. And on the cover, it just says the maniacal menace of Madcap. Now we don't see what we don't see the character of Madcap, but I love the name Madcap because it's part of Nomad and part of Captain America squashed together, yep. <laughs> and that's what we see on the cover. So there's this parallel throughout this whole issue is it is dealing with both Madcap the villain but then Nomad who's sort of having an identity crisis because he doesn't know because he feels like he's too much in the shadow of Captain America in fact I think someone in one of the issues we didn't mention this but someone called him Captain America after he saved them from a bank robbery or from a robbery right and like they have the same kind of boots but most superheroes had those kind of boots back then I think Captain America had him first, but <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. uh, in this issue here, it starts off with Captain Britain taking Captain America to the airport, and Captain America boards a plane as Captain America and just has to show his Avengers ID in order to get back to America. I think that's a pretty sweet deal. <laughs> right. Um, however, yeah. Steve Rogers is the one who flew commercial across the water in the first place so now Steve Rogers is not coming home for all Interpol or whoever's keeping track of these things um, Steve Rogers is still in Europe Right? So how does he and, get back home <laughs> yeah, yeah it, exactly and and like how did Captain America get, get to Europe yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> so Whoops, hmm. yeah. <laughs> and then the second thing, um, just before we get into the plot synopsis here, is that on the cover it says, but wait, there's more, a dramatic look back at the invaders of World War II. Yeah. Well, guess what? One it's panel. one panel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very, very dramatic. A very dramatic it's... look back. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think the, was the invaders still running at this point or had that series ended? Because it ran in the seventies, right? Yeah, I'm. I'm, uh, I'm sure it was uh, done by this point. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, yeah, because it, it only ran, I don't know, forty some issues. So, right. Yeah. Okay, so this issue here, um, this new villain called Madcap is using a bubble gun on people, and he has some. I guess the bubble gun has some sort of chemical properties and. Uh, in the bubble solution, but it causes people to lose their inhibitions and do wacky things. So that is kind of what we see throughout this 
this, this issue is people doing wacky things. And this is really a nomad issue. It's not a Captain America issue, I guess, because he's on a plane flying back or something. But um, Nomad gets the chance to actually go up against a real honest-to-goodness supervillain instead of just like these two-bit hoodlums that he's been fighting in the last little while. So that's kind of good, except for the fact that he kind of fails. He doesn't really know what, what he's doing, which is too bad. And it kind of just shatters his confidence. And it also costs him his job. He has a new job as a bag boy um, at a grocery store. And on his first day of work, like one hour in, Madcap strikes and he has to uh, go save the day. And he loses his job for it. So, yeah. Yeah. That that kind of seems like a, a Spider-Man plot, you know? It, yeah, yeah, kind of. But well, and that it is just the whole questioning his own motivation and whether he's worthwhile. Like that's very, like a Steve Ditko kind of Peter Parker attitude. Yeah, um, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. It is very Spider-Man-y. And I thought it was funny how. Like one of his his coworker, the the cashier, that he he sort of like, hmm, maybe I should ask her out on a date or whatever. And then she's injured, and he visits her at the hospital, and her boyfriend shows up. Oh yeah, brutal. <laughs> right, like oh poor guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's been neat to watch his arc through Mike Carlin's run, and now it's being handed over to Grunewald, and he kind of just steps things up right away. It's like no more of this kind of playing around. Let's. Let's kind of throw him through the ringer right off the bat. And we see this kind of thing throughout this whole book. It's um, uh, Mar- Mark is trying to kind of deconstruct all of the characters in this book, like right off the bat. He does a- away with a lot of the things that have been mainstays in these titles for a while and kind of shakes things up and to a place where I think by the end of this book, Captain America kind of starts fresh. Uh, but we'll revisit that once we get back, uh, once we get to the end of this volume. We'll talk about it at the end. Yeah. The other thing that's worth noting here is that th- we get the first sneak peek of two characters that are going to be, um, that are going to be uh, major players coming up pretty soon, and that's Anaconda and Black Mambo. Is that Black Mambo? Yeah. And Death yeah. Adder. Death Adder's there too. So three characters. Yep. So yeah, right away he's he's putting his master plan into action, and he he's setting things up for the long haul here. Right. Yeah. It's it's also weird, you know, that like this first Mark Runewald's first issue, uh, and Captain America is barely in it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He he. And, and reading that letter, it's like I ache to write Captain America, and then he's not in this this issue at all. But right. that's kind of nice, though. You know, it's like, let's show that he can write a good Captain America book without even having Captain America in it. Like, it still felt like Captain America for some reason. And yeah. maybe that's yeah. because it's still the supporting cast. Right. Um, it's still Nomad. But, yeah, that's a good point. That's cool. Yeah. All right. So, uh, issue number 308, uh, titled The Body in Question. So, uh, Captain America sneaks into the West Coast Avengers compound, uh, you know, gets through all their security and stuff, meets up with Hawkeye and Mockingbird, 
because uh, so he's on the west coast so it, it's said in the the narration this issue is also a secret wars 2 tie-in right um so it, it mentions how he like on the plane ride back to america he gets contacted by professor x and then they uh to do some secret war 2 stuff <laughs> you know what well, i i haven't read that series so i'm not exactly sure what happens there but anyway so he's on the west coast so he's going to borrow a quinjet to fly back home to new york when a giant armadillo attacks the compound <laughs> i love that <laughs> <laughs> right um so as as it turns out this uh giant armadillo is actually a guy who's been mutated by a mad scientist uh, because the the guy's wife, she is uh, sick with some kind of terminal disease and he wants to find a cure and apparently the only one who has the cure is this mad scientist, uh, Carl Mollis. <laughs> so he's like, oh, I can, I can cure her but I want you to do something for me first. Let me just turn you into a giant armadillo. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, so the the reason he's breaking into the compound is to to get the unconscious body of uh, Goliath, who the West Coast Avengers fought recently, and and who's you know unconscious in the compound because he's huge. Cap follow follows him, and he calls the cops on on Mollus because he doesn't want to to fight him because Mollus says like oh I won't uh, I won't cure this guy's wife if if you fight me and then another part of tying into Secret Wars 2 is this whole time Captain America is being followed by a glowing outline who turns out to be the Beyonder who's so impressed by how Captain America handled this situation he's like I'm going to look like you now <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's it's such a know, random it, page, and yeah, that's it. That's it's the only tie-in to Secret Wars two. The rest right. of it is a standalone issue, and it's actually a, a really nice issue. It's just that weird page there, yeah, which I think yeah. would make sense if you have been following Secret Wars, but we haven't been following Secret Wars two, so we don't know. Yeah, and then uh, the final final part of the issue is uh, the four serpent characters get to get like the three who showed up last issue uh track down sidewinder and, and he says hey i've got it i've got this idea for a society and that's basically how the issue ends is it just me or does sidewinder kind of remind you of hordak from shira shira princess of power <laughs> <laughs> oh that 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 didn't occur to me, but it's just like yes. the frills around his <laughs> neck. Kind of, if right. his face was white, he'd have kind of a skull-looking face and stuff. So, <laughs> Hordak. Uh, yeah, that, that's funny. I didn't think about that, but, but like you, you also see uh, Sidewinder like out of his costume, you know, in the background of a panel, and he's like, looks like a middle-aged guy. I mean, he almost looks like Alfred from from Batman. <laughs> Uh, where is that? The uh, page one eighty eight, the the lower left hand panel. It's yeah. He's oh no, right that's his there. um, that's his 
I think that's his. Oh yeah, no, oh, and then he disappears. Wait. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because doesn't he have a butler in another issue? Yeah, yeah. For I think he does, but maybe he is the butler. Right. Huh. Yeah, his his powers are kind of a mystery. He he doesn't um all we know is that he vanishes and can reappear, but he also like sticks his hand inside this mirror and pulls out money. So I don't know if that's his power or if that's just a special mirror. Um he's kind of a mysterious character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh okay, so a couple things that I wanted to point out here. Um Carl Mollis is a guy he goes by the name Power Broker, and um, he is the one. Uh, let's see, he's the one who gives Sharon Ventura powers, and she becomes Miss Marvel in the the Thing solo series. That's kind of oh, running okay. right now. Yeah. That Mike Mike Carlin actually starts writing after he stops right. doing Captain America. Yeah, where is it the the Thing like a wrestler? Yeah, exactly. The rest <laughs> of the world seems, wrestling yeah. league. In fact, do they? I think they mention that later on in this book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. the next armadillo issue. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And uh, so that's cool, Power Broker. And we saw Power Broker Carl Mollis in Iron Man Annual Number Seven. That's the what they're referencing to um, in this book when when uh, Power Broker wants Goliath back. And um, if you want to hear that conversation, I, I recorded that that issue in the Iron Man Duel of Iron episode so you can look that one up. Okay. And yeah. let's see. And so okay, so this is this is the true first issue of Mark Grunewald's Captain America cuz Cap is all throughout this book. And yep. what I absolutely love is these first few panels or these first few pages where he's going through the West Coast Avengers security system and he's thinking to himself the entire time and it's like he's outlining um, all of his strategy and how he's going to counteract all of the things that he's going through. But at the same time, it's like, this is too simple for Captain America. So his mind is actually wandering and he's now thinking about what he was doing in Secret Wars 2 and the stuff with the Beyonder. But he can still do it. it I, I feel like it really, really shows um, a good side of Captain America here. Like Mark really understands that his mind is always working, it's always thinking of the strategy, but at the same time, it's so inherent in who he is that his mind can wander and he can still get through all of these death traps. That That's great, and, uh, and I, I love how um, Captain America is sort of wondering, like, okay, what day is it now? Yeah, right. <laughs> he's going through the events like, um, so I left this day. And, yeah, as yeah. he's, like, dodging, <laughs> shooting arrows and poison gas and stuff, he's like, no, what, yeah, what day was that? <laughs> I love it. I think yeah. it's just, it's such a great thing. And we see this throughout this, this whole book. We get to hear his inner monologue in a way that we never really have throughout Mike Carlin's run. Mm-hmm. Like, he, di- he didn't, Mike didn't do that. So I like that. I think it's really cool. Yeah. And again, we're setting up things that we're going to see later on, like him talking to Hawkeye here. Hawkeye comes back 10 issues later. Armadillo comes back uh, seven or eight issues later. All of this stuff, like I don't know how far in advance he's planning, but he's setting things up that are going to pay off quite a bit down the road. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, not just the uh, the Serpent Society stuff at the end. It's... <laughs> It's everything with stuff with Bernie. It's, it's stuff yeah. with Nomad. 
like there's so many different threads going on here and they're all going to uh they're all going to pay off a little bit later yeah and and i'm sure even the you know the one page with the beyonder is setting up more secret war 2 stuff but well and i get the feeling that that one was like mark we really want your title to tie into secret wars 2 can you do something oh okay i'll do the bare minimum <laughs> <laughs> right yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay you ready to move on to 309 yep this one is called nomad madcap cap it's the return of madcap it's the follow-up to the issue two issues ago this time um, nomad tracks madcap to an amusement park and like becomes friends with him and hangs around with him <laughs> and uh does everything that madcap does and eventually it doesn't work out and they have a big fight this is the the turning point for Nomad. He's figured out that he kind of really needs to be out of Cap's shadow. Um, he needs to strike out on his own. And the way he figured that out was hanging out with Madcap. It's it's kind of a weird, just a weird thing. Like Madcap, just seeing Madcap being free to do his own thing um, inspired Nomad to kind of break away and do his own thing too in a weird kind of in a kind of a weird way yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and and this is the the final uh appearance of nomad in this book yes yeah, yeah. after this he goes off he gets a very different looking costume and mm -hmm. he gets his own little solo series for a while which i think is written by uh chuck dixon um, but the one thing that remains in his in his costume when he gets a new costume is those little discs that he can remove from uh, from his uh, costume, his from his chest, and he throws them yeah. like little mini shields. Right. Um, so that's kind of the defining characteristic of Nomad's costume, and um, I don't know if you noticed, but Captain America wears those in Avengers Four because he's not Captain huh. America anymore. That's right. Right. He's yeah. given up being Captain America, so he has yeah, those yeah. little chest things. He's Nomad in Captain America Four. Yeah. You mean? Uh... Steve Avengers Rogers, or three. sorry, in uh, Avengers, Avengers, yeah, Infinity, Infinity War, War. <laughs> Avengers yeah. three, yeah, right, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> what am I thinking? Captain yeah. America four. There's just they all blend together now, you know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I I know. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you know what I mean. Okay, so yes. <laughs> that uh, yes, what else did I want to talk about? Oh yeah, Captain America quits his job in this one. Yep. A again, this is Mark kind of coming in. And deconstructing his character, he wants Captain America to go in a different direction. So, what's the first thing he that he does here is he quits his job. Oh, and he finally gets back to New York and meets up with Bernie. <laughs> he didn't right. even tell her that, uh, yeah, I'm back in America, but on the wrong side of America. Just give me a few more days here. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this was a good conversation of just them catching up and not quite connecting again. It's a uh, the the time apart has kind of grown them apart a little bit. Yeah, but they still are very happy to see each other. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, but the, there's also one page with the like a recruiting drive for the the Society of Serpents. Right. Yeah. So this is the first appearance of of a few. If you go to the back of the book, one of the bonus features in here is the uh, are the the official handbook pages 
that have yeah. to do with the characters in this book. And in it, we have the, the Serpent Society is all listed here. And only a few characters have appeared before this. Cobra, of course, dates back to Journey into Mystery six, uh, 98. Yeah. And then Death Adder and the Asp and Anaconda, those three that we've already seen. Oh, yeah. no, no, sorry. Um, you mean um, Black I mean uh, Black Mamba. The three we've already yeah. seen are from Marvel 2 and 1 number 64 and Sidewinders yes. from Marvel 2 and 1 64. So those ones have appeared before. And then the Asp, Bushmaster, Cottonmouth, Rattler, they're all, they all first appear in Captain America 310, which is actually the next yeah. issue. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this recruitment drive is bringing in He's going to bring in a bunch of new people we haven't seen before. So I guess Mark is like, I've got all of the snake guys, but I need more, so I'm going to create some more. Yeah. Right, yeah. And, and actually this uh, recruitment drive, like all three of the characters you see being recruited are the, the only ones who existed beforehand. Oh, yeah, because yeah, like Princess the, the Python ones. is from the um, Circus of Crime. Uh, oh, the, the Constrictor, of course. Constrictor, yeah. And uh, I think... I want to say he first showed up in uh, in Hulk or something. Yeah, or maybe I'm wrong, or I don't. Know, but I, I remember Constrictor as well. But he's the guy. Oh yeah, we'll talk about him later. Yeah. Okay, let's keep on going. So issue three ten, Serpents of the World Unite. Uh, it's the first meeting of the the Serpent Society, and yeah, as we were just talking about, most of those characters. Well. Let's see at the, the one shot of the, the table and you know they're all sitting at the table uh one two three four five five of them are new and then the other ones are <laughs> you know the the ones we've talked about right so anyway uh sidewinder gives his his plan to of, of what he wants to do basically just form a union but constrictor doesn't want any part of it so he leaves uh, and not only does he leave, he decides, like, I should sabotage these guys so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't compete with each other. So funny. Yep. <laughs> right. What a villain. Yeah. Sidewinder gave all the other members uh, missions to go go do. Constrictor follows uh, one of them. Or, well, he jumps on the top of the van that they're going. And it's Andacon- Anaconda, Cobra, and Rattler. We're going to a old factory to get something. Constrictor calls the Avengers, and Captain America goes to investigate, and he ends up catching Anaconda, fighting the other ones. But Anaconda is the only one he catches. The other two get away with the whatever piece of equipment they were sent to get, and and then part of the Sidewinder's plan or. Uh, the Society of Serpents was saying, like, hey, if you join this, you'll never have to worry about being in prison again, because I can, you know, teleport in and and get you out, like, immediately. And he does that with Anaconda, and then she beats the, uh, beats the crap out of Constrictor. <laughs> I was surprised that she's so formidable. Yeah. Or, yeah. Ma- or maybe the Constrictor is just lame i'm not sure which one is which right but she uh she she does pretty good against captain america too and her her powers are weird i don't quite understand because her arms stretch like snakes and they can coil around right yeah so are they like 
robotic or mechanical because uh, they kind of look a little bit mechanical. But then another in another issue, Captain America checks her pulse. So she mm-hmm. has actual like blood running through her arms. Oh, no, it's this. Yeah, this issue she has. Uh, she they, He checks her pulse on page 232. Yeah. Um, I, I actually look, looked it up. Okay. And she, Sidewinder, Black Mamba, and Thatter. Uh, they all showed up in in Marvel uh, two in one, or was it team up? Or I mean, two in one, matter, yeah, two in two one. one, yeah. Uh, that's when they first appeared, and they were actually all created by the Serpent Crown. The the Serpent oh, Crown gave them right. all all four of them these powers. Okay, you know the the other serpents like Rattler and Bushmaster and Cottonmouth that they never say <laughs> how those guys got their powers and in this book at least. Now, Cottonmouth and Bushmaster are two of the main villains in the Luke Cage Netflix show. Cottonmouth was the character from season one and Bushmaster was the main bad guy in season two. But there's nothing yeah. snaky about either of those guys. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Not at all. Yeah. Um, okay, so at the very beginning of this issue, uh, not at the very beginning, but after... Captain America quits sparring with Black Knight and Star Fox. Um, he walks by and sees some kids reading Captain America comic books. Right. Yeah. So he decides, like, hey, I want to work for Marvel Comics. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. So great. Yeah. What a good idea. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I guess he just works on some samples, sample pages. And then it, it's, it's funny, like his uh, inner monologue, he, he's like, Oh, maybe I should uh, not just turn in Captain America pages. I'll draw some Iron Man, and <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't want to make it variety. too obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and the last two panels of this issue have Steve showing his comic book work to Bernie, but Bernie's just had to close down her shop, her glass blowing shop, and she's, um, you know, she's not feeling too hot right now, and. Uh, and so she kind of brushes him off a little bit. But it's a nice moment of just, uh, you know, we're in two completely different places, but we're going to try to be together. Yeah. Even though they are they continue to diverge for the rest of the book. It's, yeah. It, yeah. Still still nice that they're <laughs> together at some points. But anyways. Yep, trying to at least. I mean, trying Captain America is yeah. happy, but he has to try and empathize with Bernie and Bernie's really sad but she wants to feel happy for Captain America it's like they're they're just not in the same space mentally right now yeah okay we're going to move on to number 311 this one's called working and uh, Cap visits Constrictor in the hospital who you know we never ever usually see um, after these big fights what actually happens to bad guys or, or, or the people who are in the fights but uh, Constrictor's in pretty bad shape. Broken arms. He's got tape all over his chest and his head, so he's had a pretty bad beating. Now, here's yeah. a very important moment right here that um, starts a... Again, this is going to play out down the road, not even in this volume. This nurse tries to kill Constrictor, and she says, I am the scourge of all criminals. And then Captain America happens to be there, and he throws his shield at her, and she jumps out the window and then disappears. And we're yep. like, what the heck? 
Yeah. And uh, and it's and it's a costume, and we don't know what's going on. Yeah. So this is just something that will, again, him he's setting up something for the far future. It's uh, it's probably even like a year away that we're talking, um, and he's already starting to do this, and yeah. that's a conversation for the next volume when all of this is dealt with because there's actually some really cool stuff that happens all throughout the Marvel Universe um, to do right. Scourge. It, it, this guy, it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, and, and actually this isn't uh, even the, the first appearance of Scourge. It, it was in a, I think an Iron Man issue that came out several months previous to this where, you know, he just shows up for a page and, and shoots somebody. Wow, awesome. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, okay, the other th- really neat thing about this issue is is Captain America goes to the Marvel Comics offices. Oh, I haven't really even ta- said the plot of this one, have I? Um, so very quickly, Captain America, after visiting Constrictor in the hospital, yeah, he visits the Marvel offices and looks through the Captain America fan mail. And this one kid says, there's some, there's a monster in my barn. Can you please come and check it out? And for some reason, he thinks this is important. So he goes. It's in... Uh, where where is this again like missouri or something like that yeah uh, actually i want to say it's ohio nebraska oh yeah ohio yeah that's right the humanoid the faceless humanoid that belongs to the the mad thinker the mad thinker's android just hiding out in the barn so the kid's right and he has to figure out why the thing is there and how he's going to get rid of it and in the end he doesn't get rid of it he realizes that the thing has been instructed to stay there and wait and that's exactly what it's doing. Or the end, the instruction to don't let anyone see you. So, <laughs> Yeah. And there's another reference to Rom in this issue. In fact, we even see Rom, his head, in on page 256. He's in one panel. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's cool. And then at the same time, Sidewi- uh, Sidewinder is kind of putting his plan into action of what he wants all of his Serpent Society to do. So he, there's an, some sort of... Uh, uh, the assignments for everybody, but uh, yeah, and so all of the the different groups are going to go to different, um, different like crime bosses or uh, villain organizations to offer their services, we'll hire them, hire themselves out. Yeah, we uh, briefly see Kingpin, um, and then I guess the more important one is at the very end with uh, the aim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and they they say like, "Hey, we want you to track down and assassinate our ex leader, Modok." Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So, yep. So uh, Steve visits the Marvel offices here, and he gets to actually talk to Mike Carlin, who is going to give him the job of uh, drawing Captain America. So I think that's pretty cool, and um, the guy in. The uh, the Grateful Dead shirt is assistant editor Michael Higgins. Yeah, I, I was wondering, like, I'm sure that's supposed to be actually be somebody, but I I couldn't figure out who. But yeah, I fi- I only figured it out because in the in the next issue or in two issues later, when he goes back to the Marvel office, uh, Mike calls him Michael. So I kind of oh, okay put two and two together there. And then there's also like a Cujo reference when he says, goes into the barn, the making of a good Stephen King novel. <laughs> right. Yep. And, uh, somehow I kind of doubt Steve Rogers has ever read any Stephen King. But... <laughs> yeah, you don't, th- you don't think so? <laughs> no, I, d- 
I mean, because he, he it's too modern. didn't really like, uh, yeah, yeah, he didn't like uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> right, remember. yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> well, this was, a, this was a fun issue. Again, it was um, nice to have an opportunity um, for Captain to fight somebody who doesn't talk back, so the focus really is on uh, Captain America's internal monologue again and how he's going to um, deal with this creature and figure out why the creature's there. Uh, if this if this character could talk, um, that would be a distraction to Captain America trying to figure this stuff out. We wouldn't get the same sort of inner monologue. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I think that's intentional uh, in that it, it helps a- again. Mark Grunwald like define who Captain America is. Definitely, you know? yeah, yeah. So it's just continuing on with 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 that. So mm-hmm. w- one thing that kind of I don't know if it bugged me or not, but uh, the awesome android sort of looks different between the 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 cover and uh, the the rest of the book. I mean, the rest of the issue. I mean, just in in that his. Uh, his head is more like cube <laughs> of a cube on the cover, but it's sort of like a, almost like a lumpy potato <laughs> looking thing. You're right. Yeah. It is different. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if somebody else drew the cover or not, but well, no, it says PN in the corner there. I think it is Paul Neary. Yeah. Um, I think it's Joe Rubenstein doing the ink. So maybe that has something to do with it. But uh, yeah. um, the, the cover definitely has a more classic looking Android the way that Paul Neary draws him on the inside, it's like they almost give him a face, but he's supposed to be the faceless one. Right. <laughs> okay, uh, issue 312, called Deface the Nation. Uh, so it starts out with uh, the Flag Smasher smashing flags. And uh, and then Captain America gets a a big check from uh, the army for back pay. It's uh, almost a million dollars. That's pretty amazing. That Right? <laughs> so he, he decides, you know, instead of spending the money on himself, um, like many of us would do, <laughs> uh, he sets up a, a hotline so he can, you know, based on what happened last issue with... Uh, he, he talks about how he he's been spending too much time in New York and he wants to, cause he's the, the captain of the in- entire country, not just, not just New York, you know? So he sets up this hotline so he can more easily become aware of, uh, problems elsewhere. So at the, at the press conference for that, uh, flag smasher hears about it and he comes to smash the, the human flag of, of uh, Captain America, and they fight. Uh, flag Smasher is subdued, and Captain America gives a big speech at the end. A big speech. <laughs> yeah. It is a big speech. <laughs> and and then like, I, I sort of love the 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 thought balloon at the end of the speech where he says, uh, "I swear, after this, I'll never make any more, uh, never make a public address again." <laughs> <laughs> like. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in this one, um, I remember. I think it's Cap. It is. I think it's Spider-Man number one. 
or maybe it's Amazing Fantasy 15. Uh, one of the first issues of Spider-Man, he gets a check for his public appearances, and he goes to, to a bank, and he oh, tries right, to cash yeah. it, cash the check, but he can't because he's or no the, no the guy's gonna pay him and he's like who do i make this check out to and he says and he says just make it out to spider-man and he's like are you serious that's not gonna work no bank's gonna yeah. take a check made out to spider-man and <laughs> but captain america does it he goes to the bank and he hands them a check that's made out to captain america <laughs> and he does it i don't know uh I, I just wonder, like, is it is it made out to Steve Rogers or is it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, does the government know his secret identity? And yeah, well, well, I, well, I guess in the picture, in the picture on page two sixty five, he it does show him as Steve Rogers going to the bank. Yeah. So, yeah. but okay. uh, yeah, it I, I was just reminded of that. Like, how do superheroes <laughs> actually uh, get paid <laughs> yeah. if they don't have a if they have a secret identity? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Flag Smasher, this guy here, he's kind of a, it, he's a weird villain because he's not really a villain. Like he really wants the best for the country, but he's going about it in all the wrong ways. It's kind of like that Marvel fanfare issue. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to destroy any sort of um, symbols of nationalism. He thinks that countries and borders ruin the, are ruining the world he we need to have one unified world and that way everybody will live in peace so his intentions are good world peace is a is a fantastic thing yeah how how do you uh go about bringing world peace by using violence right yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> here's one of the things i don't like about mark grunwald is that he tells the backstories of characters through their speech balloons in a way that they would never actually talk so in this that, one on page, that's true yeah on page 270 the the kid says oh father if you were only here to see how i have carried on your fight for peace how i've devoted my whole life um to your cause even as you did you were the you were the heir to a Swiss banking family, but you forswore business to go into the world of politics. Your dream was to foster... Like, he's, he's not going to think these things because he's lived his, this with this his whole life. Right, yeah. Um, and then he's like, and then a few years ago, we came to America, and you had to become a delegate to the United Nations. It's like, he's just... <laughs> the words are just there for our sake. I would have preferred it if... It said the same thing, but it was just in a caption box instead of a thought, bu- thought balloon. Right. So right. that it wasn't him that was thinking it. Just tell us. Because it just seems yeah. silly. And Mark will do that again, uh, I think, one or two more times in this book. Mm-hmm. The same the same storytelling device that kind of rubs me the wrong way, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's unrealistic. Yeah. yeah. What he, he did before uh, with Madcap's origin and Armadillo's, right. it was, they were telling it to uh to, to, to captain america or yeah, yeah yeah exactly but right, this guy's so. just sitting in his apartment thinking to himself of all of these things that he already knows like <laughs> i i kind of almost wish that he was like uh dictating to a like a tape recorder like this is my manifesto right this yeah is... yeah that would work yeah totally yeah but oh well <laughs> uh the the artwork on that page is is kind of interesting you know because there's the the picture frame of of his father but then each panel it shows a different image of what he's talking about remembering Mm -hmm. you know and that that's that's kind of cool like as he's dressing as as flag smasher but yeah but but i i agree it's just 
clunky exposition. <laughs> clunky exposition. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. So this uh, this final speech that Captain America gives at the end is an interesting one. Be proud of your heritage, but never let that pride make you forget that beneath it all, we are all human beings who have the same wants and needs and deserve the same respect and dignity. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you in America, but in Canada, we're going through some some just identity reassessments um, in terms of our just national identity. And it stems from just the way that the country has treated our Aboriginal people in the past, um, because some pretty horrific things, I mean, I know horrific things went on to these people all over the country, all over the continent, but right. um, just some really, really, really terrible things uh, were done to them. And even as as mo- as recently as like the 90s and, you know, a lot of that racism yeah. still exists today. And so to say proud of your heritage is, is a little bit of a point of contention for some people because our heritage is built on the fact that we severely mistreated um, this group of people in the past. So, mm-hmm. so Captain America's speech here is like, I I do want to be proud of my heritage, but it's like at the same time the heritage is pretty awful. Um so how do we yeah, how do just how do we process that? So it's a it's something that I think another thing that I don't know if well, Captain Canuck probably wouldn't have this speech, but Captain America does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um do you think Captain Britain would give that speech? Because uh, I mean, that's another <laughs> they've got a lot of issues colonizing the world. Yeah, and, right. Anyways, well, but <laughs> I, I well, it, yeah, it's different from there because they like they sent out people and they're kind of doing their own thing now. I mean, America yeah. was a British colony that now That's, it's yeah. it's its own thing. So Britain kind of has divorced itself from that situation. And uh, but I mean, yeah, even with the stuff with Ireland and yeah, I think it's just it's an interesting perspective seeing this thirty years later and. Uh, seeing how the world has progressed and and where where we're going in the future yeah be yeah. interesting right but you know captain america will never say this speech again because he says i swear after this i will never make public <laughs> addresses again yeah i don't really buy that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um yeah so <laughs> another thing i really uh, I'd liked like earlier on in the in the issue where Flag Smasher was giving his like manifesto, I guess you could say, you know, about what he wants for the world, which I, for the most part, totally totally agree with. But <laughs> and then Captain America says, like, I, I I cannot fault you for wanting to see the world a better place. So does everybody here. Uh, but it, anyways, and. Like once Captain America uh, counters what Flag Smasher is talking about, everyone in the crowd is like, "Yeah, tell him Cap and all that." And then there's <laughs> the the one guy that says, "Like go back to Russia, you commie." Yeah. <laughs> and then the guy's like, "What were you not listening?" Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Communist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like the points like get so, through to you guys. Like I, I feel like that's a, a very uh, American thing. Uh, you know that that guy is saying like, "Oh, if you don't like it here, then get out." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, okay. Um, so another bonus feature 
in this issue it also includes the letter page because it's a very funny letter page if you actually read it um, because there's one panel in the previous issue where for some reason Captain America had no nose uh, reprinted yeah. in this book he has a nose they printed the correct panel so we don't actually see the mistake but the letter page is clear that there was a mistake and a lot of people wrote in and it's just a very amusing um, amusing letters column so I'm glad yeah. they included that that was nice right right and um, I don't know if you've you've noticed but I uh, I changed my my avatar on the the message board to the Captain America face without the nose. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did notice that. So yeah, <laughs> uh, it's so funny. I love it. Right. I, 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 I do wish that they included a, a picture somewhere of of the original panel without the nose in the book. Yeah, but right. They but no, they don't do that. Uh, moving on to number three thirteen. This issue is called Mission Murder Modok. Uh, so I am I'm only I don't really follow a lot of the cosmic books a whole lot mm -hmm. so Modok is one of these guys that kind of appears in the cosmic books a lot um, so I, I only really know him in his chair I've never seen him out of his chair until <laughs> I've read this and it is weird I, right. I never I, even thought about that before. I've never thought about what he would look like out of his chair. I, I'm sort of disappointed that he's not just like a, a head with, you know, arms, like where his ears should be, and then the legs right. coming out of his chin. <laughs> yeah, that's know? right. He actually has a, just a <laughs> tiny, tiny little body. <laughs> right, yeah. He has super weird proportions. <laughs> yeah, very weird. So. But in this yeah. one, um, Diamondback and Bushmaster find Modok. He's hiding in an old aim base underwater at the bottom of the ocean, and they try to kill him. And they actually succeed by the end of the issue. Um, and meanwhile, somebody, and this is really funny because it completely dates this book. Someone has hacked Captain America's um, hotline, and so Captain America traces the call and goes to New Jersey to find out that it's this young kid who is a hacker. And after the word hacker, there's an asterisk, which tells us at the bottom that hacker means computer enthusiast. <laughs> I'm not sure that was true at the time. <laughs> so anyway, this hacker but... has hacked into Captain America's hotline. And um, in the end, because uh, we know Captain America has no help. He's getting hundreds and hundreds of calls someone's got to weed through the, the all the calls to find out which ones are actually serious so he sets up the team of computer hackers to help him out him and his friend this kid and his friends are going to form the new teen brigade and he mentions the team brigade which is a, a callback to the 1960s early avengers issues yeah with uh rick jones with rick jones that's right yep so yeah i just want to talk about this technology some more <laughs> <laughs> so on, yeah. Um, on page two ninety five, um, the kid says that he, um, all we have to do is figure out the code word you use for easy access into your system, hook up the modem, and dial your hotline. And they have to explain what modem is—a device linking the computer to the telephone. Like these are just terms that yeah. uh, we take for granted these days. We we just absolutely yeah. know what they are. And then <laughs> later on. On page um, 289, the uh, the zoo voice transcriber 
a computer designed to recognize spoken words into, um, by their spectrogram patterns. And I guess that's how they translate the phone calls to um, into text that can be read and printed out. But yeah, there's just a lot of um, kind of dated technology, and it's always fun to 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 read this kind of thing. Right. It uh, like even the piles of printed paper, you know, they fold sheet by sheet. Like you don't see that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The dot matrix the printer. Dot matrix. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it's it's interesting that all of the action in this one doesn't happen with Captain America. He is dealing with this kid meanwhile Bushmaster and and Diamondback get in some big trouble Bushmaster loses his arms you know we we haven't had any any sort of uh origin for 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 them yet so <laughs> it's like oh this guy has bionic arms right okay. yeah we didn't know that and right. um yeah, yeah he, he's kind of a weird guy I'd like to learn more about him yeah yeah me too but Captain America's bike is back. It was kind of wrecked in the previous, like back in the machete episode. So he must have got it repaired at some point. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the the one thing uh, is that when Diamondback, uh, you know, at the end, Captain America fights all the the Serpent Society. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Diamondback jumps on his back and and she thinks like. I don't really want to do this. He's such a hunk. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that is um that's such a Stan it, Lee thing to to write. Like that's right, how Stan yeah. Lee writes women in the 60s. I didn't expect Mark Greenwald to do that, but that's I guess how he's going to develop Diamond back here cuz she does mm-hmm. this a few more times <laughs> in this one book. Yeah. Yeah, and actually this that's another thing is um he Grunewald doesn't explain anybody's powers in this. So, like, Cap's fighting a whole bunch of people, uh, and we, like, Asp starts um, shooting, I don't know, pink zaps, and we don't know what that means. And I know that uh, Black Mamba has appeared in other issues, but but uh, she has this glowing skin or something like that, that uh, the phantom, phantom skin that takes the form of Bernie... Like we don't uh, we don't get any explanation as to what's going on. He's just we ju- we're just uh, right. um, things are just yeah. being thrown at us. And, and Cottonmouth like opens his jaw his jaw really really large and clamps down on uh, Modoc's arm. Like there's just yeah. uh, it's just bizarre. But that's okay. Right. I like it. It's yeah. like let's not do roll call on every single time we see the Serpent Society. Let's uh, let's just fight and see what happens because Captain America yeah. is going into this completely clueless as well. And I feel just as clueless as Captain America. Right. So that's that's good. I yeah. think that's great. Yeah, and I guess uh, Diamondback throws diamonds. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so maybe the other thing I should say is that uh, Princess Python was supposed to help the others attack Modoc in the mall, but she's like, I don't want to do that because... I, I I'm just a snake charmer. I have no powers. <laughs> right. Like I don't want to fight a guy that can kill you by looking at you. So, yeah. So she runs off. Mm-hmm. Issue uh, three fourteen, um, called Asylum. And this is actually probably my least favorite issue of the entire book because it just seems connected to a 
different miniseries, uh, the Squadron Supreme that I guess was going on at the same time. Uh, and it just seems like it comes out of nowhere. Anyways, the plot of the issue is uh, it's uh, a different dimension um, that the Squadron Supreme is from. Nighthawk is is sent to sent to Earth to help bring more champions to to bring to this other world to fight Squadron Supreme, who I guess have become evil and taken over the world. Even though I think he's part of them, <laughs> but yeah, it yeah. It, there's a have you you have you read Squadron Supreme? I I have not. So yeah, I don't. I don't really yeah, know what's so, going on at all in this. <laughs> absolutely. So it's um it's a very convoluted story. It's fantastic. I have read that one and it is really great. So yeah. but I can understand absolutely that coming into this one, it's out of left field and very lost. There are parts of it though that I feel like are actually a really good standalone issue. Well, yeah, the 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 fight stuff with uh you know the three three guys and the the one who turns into a ball and stuff yeah. on the giant typewriter that that is pretty fun yeah but <laughs> and just the conversations that cap has with the fantastic four and and the avengers about like boundaries and like would we go in and help a foreign government with like help rebel against a foreign government no we wouldn't do that so how is alternate universes any different and like uh they they raise some good points there it's just that you have to get past the whole um, everything that's going on in the other dimension because, frankly, it doesn't actually really matter for this issue. Yeah. You All you really need to know is that this guy has come from another dimension and needs help. They spent a lot of time trying to condense what's happened in the first several issues of Squadron Supreme into, like, one or two pages, and it's so dense that uh, it really bogs down the story. Yeah. However, if you are reading Squadron Supreme, this comes at a great point and is actually pivotal to to the story, um, because Nighthawk goes back with um, with a way to to solve his problems, and uh, um, and it's so it's 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 not just a throwaway tie-in; it's actually really important. But it it is weird reading it in a collection like this. It's just an odd chapter. Yeah, yeah, and, and there, there's only a brief couple little things uh you know touching on subplots have been going on the whole time like cap goes back to marvel comics and and there's a also a brief scene with with bernie and he runs out on her again and she gets she gets mad at him well yeah i mean that that's it for the continuing story that's been going on for you know the past however many issues but in this yeah. one, when he's visiting the the Marvel Comics studios he, or uh, offices, he criticizes the writer, saying, I, "I don't think this guy really understands Captain America." <laughs> right. Yeah. And so he he goes, he takes it upon himself to make changes to the script and in in his artwork to reflect how Captain America really would do things. Right. And <laughs> it's like I'm pretty sure Captain America would have problems working with his writer or any the the penciler if the penciler were to do that there might be some points of contention yeah i'm sure yeah i i almost wonder if that's like a like a meta commentary you know like i mean i i don't know uh what the response was by the fans to mark grunwald coming in and and 
you know, like as we've been saying, is changing things pretty drastically. Yeah. And so I, I wonder if there were lots of letters saying like, this guy doesn't know how to write Captain America. And yeah, so he writes it into the script. I mean, I don't know if that's the case or not, but yeah. So Nighthawk's costume in this one is really cool. It's not his costume that you normally see in the defenders. They went out of their way to make him look like Batman. Yeah. (laughs) So he has that silhouette. There's one panel on, page two on page 328 where you just see the back of him and he's charging his cape flying out and that's just batman right there that's batman yep (laughs) yeah and and also um you know fighting with on the the giant typewriter that's right out of you know like 40s batman comics they were always you know fighting the joker or whatever with giant props and you know uh i think dick sprang was the artist yeah yeah exactly yeah so that's yeah, it's, it's very totally true. <laughs> yeah. Nods to DC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, moving right along, number 315 is called The Hard Cell. What a great splash page this is. Modoc in the morgue. This guy's supposed to do an autopsy, and it's just this massive head. <laughs> it's like bigger than the guy. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Little feet. <laughs> yeah. But this this is a great issue. This one was uh, was really, really good. So the Porcupine, which is, he's an old villain from, like, I think he first appeared in Strange Tales, the Human Torch series. Um, or maybe it was Ant-Man. Actually, yeah, I think it was Ant-Man. He first appeared in... Yeah, I think it, yeah, it says Ant-Man. Yeah. And, <laughs> or um, Tales. Yeah, but he, he goes way back. But he's fed up with being a supervillain super because he's been a terrible supervillain. So he's trying to get rid of his super suit. He's trying to get somebody to buy it that would help him out with his finances no one wants it he goes to aim and bumps into cobra um, who gives him his card and he gets involved there and then he goes to captain america for help and the two of them try to set up a little sting operation to try and capture the uh the serpent society but it doesn't work and in the end porcupine ends up getting killed in the action but helping Captain America so he becomes sort of a hero in the end it's kind of like a um, a nice end to his character and I love kind of the meta commentary here that because um, we all know that these most of the characters that were created in the 60s the, the villains are pretty lame <laughs> <coughs> yeah <laughs> they're just not menacing it's like how can you compete um you know, like, I don't know, the Red Ghost and the um, Titanium Man and uh, Porcupine. <laughs> all of these guys are, like, so terrible compared to the characters that came out later, like, well, like Thanos. <laughs> right? It's like there's no comparison. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, so Porcupine reflects all of what we're thinking here that these guys are terrible and they just need to need, need they need to retire. So I liked, I really liked this one. I thought it was good. It was, it was great to see the, his redemption, the character's redemption. The big fight at the end was really cool too. Um, where he's taken on like a whole bunch of different serpents all at once. However, this is another instance of Mark Grunewald doing his clunky exposition because on page 339, um, 
porcupine is alone in his in his um apartment and he's thinking to himself how is it that yeah. i one of the first costume super criminals of this generation have fallen so abysmally low i was working as a weapons designer for the u.s army when i came <laughs> upon the idea of basing armor on the principles of porcupine's natural protection no you're not going to think like that. So he <laughs> falls into this trap again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I do enjoy the, I mean, the one panel on that page where, you know, he's thinking about the, when he teamed up with a bunch of other lame villains to fight the X-Men. And, you know, I remember that issue and it's kind of, it's kind of is lame. Like it's like all the, you know, the one guy in there I think is, uh, the unicorn or something <laughs> right but anyways yeah they're just a bunch of lame guys teaming up and and they're they're they were beaten easily but anyway and then um at the end how porcupine dies he trips and falls on one of his own quills <laughs> yeah like, yep, oh. yeah <laughs> even in his death he's kind of a loser right yeah and then the final panel of the issue the battle armor of the porcupine honored foe of the avengers like right. in avengers mansion uh I, I i don't know if they would actually do that well <laughs> I, I guess I, I i can see captain america doing that because he's he's an, an honorable, honorable guy, guy. yeah yeah but but I, I i guess i just imagine iron man or, or somebody like walking walking in he's like what's this <laughs> yeah this, this guy was a scrub That's right. <laughs> issue 316 the creatures of love um this one i think might have actually been my favorite of the entire book i mean this yeah, one they're, really they're all good, good but the return of armadillo <laughs> now his uh his wife has been cured and she convinced him to become a wrestler, I guess on the the same circuit that the the thing has been wrestling on. The uh, what they call it? The, they called it the Unlimited Class Wrestling Federation. Right. Yeah. You you could only compete if you have super strength and are hard to injure. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a so yeah. Well, meanwhile, um, Bernie tells tells Steve that she's going to. Uh, She's decided to uh, move away. Like she's in the past few issues, you know, talking about going back to law school and stuff. But now she's decided she's going to uh, move away to was it Michigan or somewhere? But I mean, halfway across the country. So, in some ways, that's sort of it for them. Yeah, and they contemplate the long distance thing or whatever, and we're not exactly sure where they leave off because they get interrupted by uh, some visitors. Right. And I love this. Yeah. Hawkeye and Mockingbird come by and they fully openly talk. They're not in costume. They fully openly talk about their superhero stuff. But Bernie, uh, she says, I'm getting the impression that these two are some of Steve's superhero friends. I wonder which ones. Iron Man and Miss Marvel, maybe? So it's like she doesn't yeah. know. They, they don't mind talking in front of her, but they're not saying which one of the heroes. So it's actually they're still keeping their secret identity a secret. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyways, they the, the four of them go see a wrestling match with Armadillo. And then Steve, Captain America, wants to 
go say hi and say like, hey, you're you've been doing a. I'm glad you're not not a villain anymore, <laughs> or well, I guess he wasn't ever really, but like he's he's making something of his life, you know, and not not just being a lackey, but when he he goes back backstage to uh, uh, to find him, he walks in on armadillo's wife uh making out with another dude (laughs) so of course armadillo finds out about that and he goes on a rampage so uh so cap is trying to you know get him to calm down but he's just super mad and yeah yeah he decides that he's going to kill himself so he starts climbing the empire state building yeah yeah he's jumps off the building and makes a big crater but he's uh still alive he ends up breaking his back or something like he can't move right yeah um but yeah this was just a really great story the wife is just awful like she's using him all he she wants is him to do is uh you know fight for money so she can buy things or whatever and she's cheating on him um it reminds me a lot of um like a decade later, Batman the Animated Series, Mister Freeze's character, how he how tragic that is because he has his wife is in some sort of cryogenic state, and he yeah. can't unfreeze her until some cure has been uh, has been found. And then there's the one episode in Batman Beyond where Mister Freeze, like they find out that Nora was cured, but she didn't want to have anything to do with Mr. Freeze anymore. She went off and married some other guy or whatever. And that drove him over the edge. It's like, it's the same kind of story. And you really feel for, really feel for Armadillo here. Like this is, Oh yeah. He, he sacrificed his whole body in order to cure her. And she's just using him. I would be very upset about that too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, he is kind of ridiculous, you know, being a giant armadillo, but, but he he really is a like a, a real character, not just a goofy looking monster, you know. Yeah, and I think that's to the credit of um, both Paul Neary and Mark Grunewald because Paul Neary still is able to capture some good emotion in this twisted creature's ugly armadillo face, um, and it just his actions. And um, I think it helps that he's always like. He's got low shoulders, and he always looks a little hunched over, and that makes him look just kind of self-conscious, like he's not standing up straight, he's not confident. And then, of course, yeah, the writing. Mark writes him as a normal person. He doesn't write him as, like, a Hulk kind of character. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's a good team of of creators right here. Yeah. Well, should we head on to the last issue here? Uh, Yeah, sure. This is number 117. It's called Death Throws. And in this one, a group of villains um, spring a guy named Crossfire from custody. Now, the reason why um, Hawkeye and Mockingbird are in town is because they're supposed to testify at this guy's trial. But they just sprung him. But the funny thing is that these guys didn't spring them to free the bad guy free crossfire they sprung him because they're mad at him and they want to uh they want to off him or at least uh get a lot of money for his 
for for handing him over to somebody so <laughs> they arranged this whole thing um but eventually you know captain america and hawkeye have to go track him down and save him and what happened there's a going away party for bernie captain america has to leave in the middle of it in order to stop these bad guys and when he returns bernie is not there her whole apartment's been cleared out all that's left is a note saying goodbye and we end we end this whole book on a fairly somber note it's a sad little moment there yeah that that final final panel where he's uh steve is very small in the panel and there's the sort of outline of uh of bernie bernie's face yeah it's very you know touching touching moment it is yeah um, and then this one, we have Captain America and Hawkeye trading weapons. And I love how Hawkeye's like, Captain America's giving me a shield? He never gives anyone his shield. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah. nice to see these two, the two leaders of the Avengers, the different Avengers teams. Um, actually, I don't think Captain America was the leader of Avengers at this time. But anyway, these two guys trading their weapons and uh, trying to work as the other work but it's obvious that they have their own weapons for a reason where the the team of uh, bad guys uh have them surrounded you know and they're they have each other's weapons they say you know we're outnumbered and surrounded only one thing to do throw down our weapons and then dive for the right ones <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah why not just hand them fun. to each other <laughs> yeah i know right so on but. page uh, 381, um, some movers have come to take Bernie stuff out of her apartment. And one of the movers says, easy now, Ralphie. That is a reference to Ralph Macchio. Because when he was first hired by Marvel in the 70s, he had a, his family had a moving company. And so he would offer <laughs> yeah. his services to move all of his buddies up the Marvel offices all the time. Um, he talks about this in one of the interviews I did with him. I don't remember which one, but uh, it's in yeah, there somewhere. I, I remember that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's our volume. What do you think? Uh, I I think it's uh, it's really good. All, overall, really, really solid. And I, I think it is kind of uh, exciting that uh, Grunewald is going to be around for the next nine <laughs> Captain America volumes. So Amazing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, one of the the longest runs that's being collected. <laughs> it's really cool, yeah. yeah. Right up yeah. there with, like, Hulk, the Peter David Hulk. Yeah, Pete, right. yeah right, right. Yeah. Or Claremont's X-Men. Yeah. X-Men, yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah. So. Man. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I'm really looking forward to doing the next issues, uh, the next volume, so we'll try and make sure that it's not a whole year before we talk about Captain America again. Um, yeah. <laughs> I know that we're going to do an X-Men volume next, you and I, so we'll get excited about that. And then, uh, um, But yeah, we'll have to squeeze this in sometime. Um, mm-hmm. I just want to quickly run down some of the bonus features in this epic collection. There's a, a story from Marvel Age Annual Number 1, and it's called Information Please. And in this one, um, Kurt Busick is trying to uh um get some get somebody to write articles for marvel for marvel's age <laughs> he's calling up like uh, captain america and like the all these heroes invade the offices and it's just a a little funny uh 
gag cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then there's lots of interviews from Marvel Age from Mike Carlin and um, talking about um, new people taking over um, Captain America. Some cool um, kind of deconstructions of some of the, the pages that are drawn by some of these other people um, that they're talking about in the articles. Uh, some advertisements, pinups, the official handbook pages, some original art. So yeah, um, a layout of the Serpent Society's headquarters, which I think is kind of funny because it's like who cares, <laughs> but it's there anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I, I I guess I always wondered uh, where Radler slept. Yeah, so right. Now me I too. Know. <laughs> <laughs> One ad uh, for the the Broadway musical, the Captain America Broadway musical that I guess they were planning. Is like looking for a girl between ten and fourteen, who can sing and dance. Right. It's it's like, huh? I I, I don't know if I can picture a Captain America musical, but <laughs> yeah, it never made it I off the know. ground. Too bad. Right. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. Unfortunately. I guess the, that oh, well. <laughs> was there was a Spider Man musical for a little bit, but it, with uh, music from the Edge or something like that, right? And but it got plagued yeah. with a whole bunch of problems. Right. Right. And and actually, there there was a uh, Superman musical back in the seventies, like before the movie, even. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah, good, good stuff. Um, it'll be interesting to to keep reading these. Totally, yeah. awesome. Well, thanks. This has been a good conversation. I'm glad we were able to uh, to get this done. Yeah. <laughs> 